Chapter Eleven of Craddock Knoll, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Craddock Knoll, Volume Three by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter Eleven. Meanwhile, supposing the warrant to issue, let us see what chance there is of its ever being served and it may be a pleasant change awhile to flit to southern latitudes from the troubles and the drizzle and the sweeping summer of england poor cradock as we saw him last backed up by the ebony tree and with weena crouching close to him knew nothing of his lonely plight and miserable abandonment until the sheets of plashing rain and long howls of his little dog awoke him to great wonderment then he arose and rubbed his eyes and thought that his sight was gone and felt a heavy weight upon him and a destiny to grope about and a vain desire to scream such as we have in nightmare meanwhile he felt something pulling at him always in the same direction and he did not like to put his hand down for he had some idea that it was beelzebub suddenly a great flash of lightning triple thrice repeated lit up the whole of the wood like day and he saw black weena tugging at him to draw him into good shelter he saw the shelter also ere the gush of light was gone an enormous and hollow mowana tree a little higher up the hill then all was blackest night again and even weena was swallowed up in it but with both hands stretched out to fend the blows of hanging branch or creeper he committed himself to the little dog's care and she took him to the mowana tree then another great flash lit up all the hollow and weena was frightened and dropped her tail but still held on to her master cradock neither knew nor cared what the name of the tree was nor whether it possessed as some trees do especial attractions for lightning any harbour in a storm was all he thought if he thought at all and he lay down very snugly and felt for amy's present to him and then in spite of the crashing thunder and the roaring wind snugly he went off to sleep and at his feet lay weena in the bright morning the youth arose and shook himself and looked round and felt rather jolly than otherwise travellers say that the baobab or mowana tree is the hardest of all things to kill and will grow along the ground when uprooted and not allowed to grow upright frenchmen have proved to their own satisfaction that some baobabs now living grew under the deluge of noah and not improbably had the great ark floating over their heads be that as it may and though it is a cadmian job to cut down the baobab for every root thereupon claims and takes a distinct existence we can all of us tell the travellers of a thing yet harder to kill the hope in the heart of a man and the better the man is the more of hope's spores are in him and the quicker they grow again after they have all been stamped upon a mushroom in the egg likes well to have the ground beaten overhead with a pavia's rammer and comes up all the bigger for it and lifts a pavestone of two hundredweight shall then the pluck of an honest man fail while his true conscience stirs in him 
though the result be like a fleeting fungus supposed to be born in an hour by those who know nothing about it and who make it the type of an upstart shall not his courage work and spread although it be underground as he grows less and less defiant and rear perhaps in the autumn of life a genuine crop and a good one craddock Noel found his island not at all a bad one there was plenty to eat at any rate which is half the battle of life plenty to drink is the other half in the judgment of many philosophers but i think the plenty to look at ought to be at least a third of it the pride of the eyes if not exercised on that vanishing point oneself is a pride legitimate and condemned by no apostle and here there was noble food for it and it is a pride which when duly fed slumbers off into humility oh the glory of everything the promise and the brightness the large leading views of sky and sea and the crystal avenues onward the manner in which a fellow expands when he looks at such things if he be capable of expanding which surely all of us are the way in which he wonders and never dreams about wondering and the feeling of grandeur growing within him and how it repents him of littleness and all his foes are forgiven and then he sees that he has something himself to do with all the beauty of it upon my word i am a great fool to attempt to tell of it craddock saw his lovely island and was well content with it it was not more than four miles long and perhaps three miles across but it was gifted with three grand things beauty health and nourishment it might have been ages for all he saw then since man had sworn or forsworn in it perhaps none since the voyagers of necho whose grand truth was so incredible there were no high hills and no very deep holes but a pleasant undulating place ever full of leaves and breeze and as for wild beasts he had no fear he knew that they would require more square miles than he owned as for snakes he was not so sure and indeed there were some nasty ones as we shall see by and by then he went to the shore and looked far away even after the taprobane the sea was yet heaving heavily and tumbling back into itself with a roar and some fishing eagles were very busy stooping along the foam of it but no ship was to be seen anywhere and far away in the south and southeast the selvage of black clouds lopping over the mist of the horizon showed that still the typhoon was there and no one could tell how bad it was craddock found a turtle at which weena looked first in mute wonder with her eyes taking jumps from their orbits and then like all females she found tongue and ran away and barked furiously presently she came back sniffing along and drawing her nose on the sand yet determined to stick by her master even if the turtle should eat him but to her immense satisfaction the result was quite the converse she and her master ate the turtle beginning ab ovo that morning for although crad could not quite eat the eggs raw by the by they are not so bad that way and although he could not quite strike a light by twirling one stick in the back of another he had long ago found reason for and he rapidly found that excellent goddess in the roasting of eggs and for that he had to thank amy only see how thoughtful women are 
yes a mark of astonishment but the astonishment will subside perhaps when we come to know all about it for then all the misogynes will declare that the thought was born of vanity let them do so facts are facts i say amy had sent him a photograph of her faithful self beautifully done by mr sylvy of bayswater and framed in a patent lover's box i forget the proper name for it something french of course so ingeniously contrived that when a spring at the back was pressed a little wax match would present itself from a lining of asbestos together with a groove to draw it in thus by night as well as by day the smile of the loved one might illumine the lonely heart of the lover now this device stood him in good stead as doubtless it was intended to do by the practical mind of the giver for it served to light the fire wherewith man roasteth roast and is satisfied and a fire once lit in the hollow heart of that vast moana tree where twenty men might sit and smoke when the rainy season came if you only supplied some fuel daily and cleared away the ashes weekly there need be no fear of philanthropy making a trespasser of prometheus craddock soon resolved to keep his headquarters there for the tree stood upon a little hill overlooking land and sea for many a league of solitude and it was not long before he found that the soft bark of the baobab might easily be cut so as to make a winding staircase up it and the work would be an amusement to him as well as a great advantage master and dog having made a most admirable breakfast upon turtle's eggs roasted very knowingly as homer well expresses it with a large pineapple to follow started before the heat of the day in search of water the indispensable shaddocks and limes and mangosteens bananas with their long leaves quilling pineapples mowers and mamoshoes coconuts plantains mangoes palms and palmyras custard apples and gourds without end besides fifty other ground fruits ay and tree fruits for that matter quite unknown to craddock there was no fear of dying from drought and yet the first thing to seek was pure water if craddock had thought much about the thing very likely it would have struck him that some of the fruits which he saw are proof not so much of human cultivation as of human presence at some time but he never thought about that and indeed his mind was too full for thinking so he cut himself a most tremendous bludgeon of camel thorn as heavy and almost as hard as iron and off he went whistling with weena wondering whether the stick would beat her he certainly took things easily more so than is quite in accord with human nature and reason but the state of his mind was to blame for it and the freshness of the island air and the storm of the night even a rejected lover or a disconsolate husband gives a jerk to his knee joints and carries his elbows more briskly when the bright spring morning shortens his shadow at every step craddock moreover felt quite sure that he would not be left too long there that his friends on board the taprobane would come aside from their track to find him on their return voyage from ceylon and so no doubt they would have done if it had been in their power but the taprobane as we shall see never made her escape in spite of weatherly helm and good seamanship from the power of that typhoon she was lost on the shoals of benguela bay thirty miles south of quicombo 
and not a man ever reached the shore to tell the name of the ship but a portuguese half-caste trading there found the name on a piece of the taffrail and a boat which was driven ashore after all we see then that cradock was wonderfully lucky at least if it be luck to live in having been left behind that evening on an uninhabited island desolate nobody could call it for the gifts of life lay around in abundance and he soon had proof that the feet of men ay of white men trod it sometimes following the shore a little further than the sailors had gone he came on a pure narrow thread of crystal a current of bright water dimpling and twinkling down the sand Weena at once lay down and rolled and wetted every bit of herself and then began to lap the water wherein her very own active and industrious friends were drowning that Weena was such a ladylike dog she washed herself before drinking and she never would wash in salt water it made her hair so unbecoming Craddock followed up that stream and found quite a tidy little brook when he got above the sandridge full of fish and fringed with trees and edged with many a quaint bright bird scissorbills and avocets demoiselles and flamingos weena plunged in and went hunting blue rats and birds and fishes while her master stooped down and drank and thanked god for this discovery a little way up the brook he found a rude shanty a sort of wigwam thatched with leaves and waterproof backed by a low rock but quite open in front and at both ends under the shelter were blocks of ebony billets of barwood piled up to the roof a dozen tusks of ivory bales of dried bark and piles of rough cylinders full of caoutchouc and many other things which craddock could not wait to examine but he felt quite certain that this must be some trader's depot for shipping the only thing that surprised him was that the goods were left unprotected for he knew that the west africans are the biggest thieves in the world while he did not understand the virtue of the hideous great fetish hanging there it was made of a long dried codfish with glass eyes ground in the iris and polished again in the pupil and a glaring stripe of red over them and the neck of a bottle fixed as for the tongue and the body skewered open and painted bright blue ribbed with white like a skeleton and the tail prolonged with two spinal columns which rattled as it went round the effect of the whole was greatly increased by the tattered cage of crinoline in which it was suspended and which went creaking round now and then in the opposite direction no nigger would dare to steal anything from such a noble idol at least so thought the yankee trader who knew a thing or two about them he had left his things here in perfect faith while he was travelling towards the gaboon to complete his cargo craddock was greatly astounded he thought that it must be a white man's work and soon he became quite certain for he saw near a cask the clear mark of a boot of civilized make unquestionably then he prized out the head of the cask after a deal of trouble and found a store of ship biscuit a little the worse for weevil but in very fair condition he gave weena one but she would not touch it for she set much store by her teeth and had eaten a noble breakfast having made a rough examination of the deserted shed and found no sort of clothing which did not vex him much except that he wanted shoes 
he resolved to continue the circuit of his new dominions and look out perhaps for another hut he might meet a man at any time so he carried his big stick ready though none but cannibals could have any good reason to hurt him as he went on and struck inland to cut off the northern promontory the lie of the land and the look of the woods brought to his mind more clearly and brightly his own beloved new forest he saw no quadruped larger than a beautiful little deer lighter than a gazelle and of a species quite unknown to him they stood and looked at him prettily without either fear or defiance and Weena wanted to hunt them but he did not allow her to indulge that evil inclination he had made up his mind to destroy nothing even for his own subsistence except the cold-blooded creatures which seemed to feel less of the death pang but he saw a foul snake with a flat heavy head which hissed at and frightened the doggy and he felt sure that it was venomous monkeys also of three varieties met him in his pilgrimage and seemed disposed to be sociable while birds of every tint and plumage fluttered and flashed and flitted then weena ran up to him howling and limping and begging for help and he found her clutched by the seed vessels of the terrible uncaria he could scarcely manage to get them off for they seemed to be crawling upon her when he had made nearly half his circuit without any other discovery except that the grapes were worthless the heat of the noonday sun grew so strong although it was autumn there as far as they have any autumn that craddock lay down in the shade of a plantain and in a few seconds afterwards was fast asleep and dreaming weena sat up on guard and snapped at the nasty poisonous flies which came to annoy her master how heavenly tropical life would be in a beautiful country like that but for those infernal insects the mosquito for instance and he is an angel compared to some of those beelzebubs must have made adam swear at eve even before the fall and then those awful spiders whose hair tickles a man to madness even if he survives the horror of seeing such devils and then the tampan but let us drop the subject please for fear of not sleeping tonight craddock awoke in furious pain and spasms most unphilosophical he had dreamed that he was playing football upon cowley green and had kicked out nobly with his right foot into a marching line of red ants immediately they swarmed upon him up him over him into him biting with wild virulence and twisting their heads and nippers round in every wound to exasperate it weena was rolling and yelling for they attacked her too craddock thought they would kill him although he did not know that even the python succumbs to them he was as red all over inside his clothes and outside as if you had winnowed over him a bushel of fine rouge dancing and stamping and recalling with heartfelt satisfaction some strong words learned at oxford he caught up weena and away they went two solid lumps of ants headlong into the sea luckily he had not far to go he lay down and rolled himself clothes and all and rolled poor weena too in the waves until he had the intense delight of knowing that he had drowned a million of them ah and just now he had made up his mind to respect every form of life so 
oh but i defy any fellow even the sage archbishop who reads novels to stop other people to have lectured us under the circumstances or to have kept his oaths in with those twenty thousand holes in him the salt water went into craddock's holes and made him feel like a cayenne pepper caster and the little dog sat in the froth of the sea and thought that even dogs are allowed a hell after that there was nothing to do except to go home mournfully if a tree may be called a home as no doubt it deserves to be and then to dry the clothes and wish that the wearer knew something of botany craddock had no doubt at all that around him grew whole stacks of leaves which would salve and soothe his desperate pain but he had not the least idea which were balm and which were poison how he wished that instead of reading so hard for the scholarship of dean ireland he had kept his eyes open in the new forest and learned just nature's rudiments of course he would have other leaves to deal with but certain main laws and principles good hold good all the world over bob garnet would have been quite at home though he had never seen one of those plants before we cannot follow him day by day it is too late in the tale for that even if we wished it enough that he found no other trace of man upon the island except the trader's hut or store with the hideous scarecrow hanging and signs of human labor in the growths of some few trees about which he knew nothing and in a rough piece of ground near the shanty cleared for a kitchen garden cassavas and yams and kiobos and peanuts and some other things grew there which as he made nothing of them we must treat likewise there had even been some cotton sown but the soil seemed not to suit it it was meant perhaps by the keen american who thought himself lord of the island for a little random experiment when would he come back that was the question craddock asked both of himself and weena twenty times a day of course poor craddock knew not whether his lord of the manor were a yankee or a britisher a portuguese or a dutchman thebis nutritus an argus only he supposed and hoped that a white man came to that island sometimes and brought other white men with him by this time he had cut a winding staircase up the walls of his castle and added a great many rough devices to his rugged interior twice every day he clomb his tree to seek all round the horizon and at one time he saw a sail in the distance making perhaps for loanda but that ship was even outside the expansive margin of hope and now he divided his time between the grand moana citadel and the storehouse with whose contents he did not like to meddle much because they were not his property there he placed the ship's hydropult which he had found lying on the beach for the mate had brought it to meet the chance of finding shallow water where the casks could not be stooped or the water bailed without fouling it and the boat's crew in their rush and flurry had managed to leave it behind them craddock left it in the storehouse because it was useless to him where he had no water and it amused him sometimes to syringe weena from the brook which flowed hard by moreover he thought that if anything happened to prevent him from explaining things the owner of the place whoever he might be would find in that implement more than the value of the biscuits which craddock was eating and getting on nicely with them because they corrected the richness of turtle 
truly his diet was glorious both in quality and variety and he very soon became quite a pomerian apicius of all fruits perhaps the mangostine garcinia mangostana is the most delicious when you get the right sort of it which i don't think they have in brazil neither is the lychee a gift to be despised nor the chirimoya and several others of the anona race some of the granadillas too and the sweet lime and the plantains and many other fount of beauty and delight all of which by skill and care might be raised in this country where we seem to rest content with our meagre hothouse catalogue i do not say that all these fruits were natives of pomona island as craddock appreciating its deserts took the liberty of naming it but most of them were discoverable in one part or another of it some born from the breast of nature others born by man or tide and almost all of them still would be greatly improved by cultivation so the head gardener of the island who left the sun to garden for him enjoyed their exquisite coolness and wondered how they could be so cool in the torrid sunshine and though he did not know the name of one in fifty of them he found out wonderfully soon which of them were the nicest and soon he discovered another means of varying his diet for he remembered having read that often in such lonely waters the swarming fish will leap on board of a boat floating down the river thereupon he made himself a broad flat tray of bark with a shallow ledge around it and holding a tow-rope made also of bark launched it upon the brook immediately a vast commotion arose among the finny ones they hustled and huddled and darted about and then paddled gravely and stared at it then whether from confusion of mind or the reproaches of their comrades or the desire of novelty half a dozen fine fellows made a rush and carried the ship by boarding whereupon craddock laughing heartily drew his barge ashore and soon weena and himself were deep in a discussion itch theological as may well be supposed the pure sea breezes and wholesome diet the peace and plenty and motherly influence of nature the due exercise of the body without undue stagnation of mind the pleasure of finding knowledge expand every day stomachically while body and mind were girded alike and the heart impressed with the diamond-studded belt of hope all this we may well suppose was beginning to try severely the nasal joints of incessant woe End of chapter 11